Alrighty, everyone, welcome back. It is Monday, September 28th, and we've got another episode of Monday Madness for you, and things are getting chilly. Today's the 28th. I think uh, this is the first episode of fall, I guess. A week ago, we had that solstice, so things are getting chilly, leaves are turning, and I'm ready for that that winter feeling, you know, when you're at home, got a blanket on your legs, nice cup of coffee in the morning, something special about that. I look forward to it, but come on, what am I, a meteorologist? Hell no, we might talk about hurricanes in the Gulf, but that is about all it is. I am an analyst, so I'm going to get you those numbers that you need so dearly and those news stories to keep you informed and in the know. So right now, WTI prices, $40.24. Rig count is at 261, which is a four-rig increase, and that's in the past week alone, four rigs. I can't come to think of it. I can't remember the last time we were up that many rigs. We've been holding steady for a bit, but we're now breaching into truly positive territory. We used to be down some 700 on the year, but now only 599. Technically less than 600, but I'll stop talking about this anymore because I would absolutely hate to jinx this trend. And as for the inventories... Well, that's about where the good news ends. Not too terribly. Uh, There's a small build of 700,000 barrels, which is not too bad considering it's one of the four builds we've seen since the start of July, and the lowest by far. Weeks like this make the massive drawdowns hit just a little bit harder and a little bit better, even if the market would disagree. But those are your weekly statistics. You can kind of see that we're going in what seems to be a good place. And let's kick things off with some relationship gossip, huh? Like those juicy lunch table discussions you had in high school. Here at Rare Petro, we've got all the dirt on the most recent happenings. So this week, our two subjects are Devon Energy and WPX Energy. Both are energy companies based out of Oklahoma, producing, well, mainly from an oil and gas portfolio of onshore assets. And they found themselves in the same boat this year as their stock plummeted thanks to, well... I'm sure you're familiar with that, so I'll spare you the details instead of rehashing it out for the upteenth time. Devon's share price fell 64% in the past 12 months, where WPX fell a similar 57% in the same time frame. An agreement on the deal could be reached at any second with a combined value of $6 billion, considering both companies' market cap. This merger will likely be an all-stock deal, and will hopefully allow the two companies to combine their efforts to weather the storm that we recognize as the current downturn. More and more companies are finding that in order to survive the $40 price point, they must merge or be acquired. This time period really just is a calling of the individuals and the independents, so we're going to see more moving forward. We're going to see more for sure. And now let's kick that drama up to an international level and look at our favorite long-time quarrelers, Iran and the United States. Last time we checked in on these two, the United States had just confiscated oil from a tanker with forged documents from Iran and wagged its finger at them. Now, well, according to tanker trackers, Iran is estimated to have shipped out nearly 1.5 million barrels per day, which is the highest level so far in 2020 and double the observed exports in August. That is double in just a month's time. So they must not be taking the U.S. very seriously, and I gotta say, I I get it. Iran has two options, not sell oil to whoever the U.S. says, whether that's Venezuela or anybody else, or sell to whoever they want, China included. Doesn't seem like too tough of a decision if you're in it for the cash, so they went for the latter. It was discovered earlier this month that Iran was exporting much more oil than they were reporting, and countries receiving it, like China, are forging the numbers as well. 
In order to get around U.S. sanctions, the tankers carrying this Iranian crude are forging documents between ship identification, the origin of the oil, whatever they can. Not only are these documents forged, but transponders are switched off and the barrels trade ships. So you can't identify what the ship is or what it's carrying anymore. Iran's oil minister interprets the U.S. sanctions as, quote, a war against Iran with no blood, end quote. I understand the U.S. wants to fight against Maduro's influence in Venezuela, but I think this is a battle that they should not fight. Let others trade however they're going to trade, especially if it's between Venezuela and the Middle East. Now let's take that effort we're putting into these sanctions and put it into something useful and domestic, as we have our hands full with plenty at the moment. Let's put less energy into these sanctions and more here at home. And I'd say it's high time we leave all that drama in the past and we start considering economics instead. So BP, they've had a tough time after releasing their annual energy report. So BP's stock price has been falling for a while, had a little bit of an uptick earlier in the year, but then began to trend downward again. And we're now at the lowest point we've seen since 1995. Stock hasn't been worth this little since 1995. Golly. In response to the small time frame of low prices, CEO Bernard Looney said that BP will continue with making a transition away from oil and gas and in, into an integrated energy company. Now, I'd like to interject a little speculation and opinion, if I may. While I do think BP is jumping ship a bit early, I think that the integrated energy company sort of setup will likely be a popular type of organization moving forward. I don't think it will solely be from oil and gas companies. I actually think it will occur more often from the perspective of a utility company. For generation to transmission and distribution, I think companies like Excel Energy, Mid-American Energy already have the infrastructure necessary, and they're going to diversify their energy portfolios to encapsulate a mix of fossil fuel and renewable energy sources. This argument is also framed by capitalism because companies with NOCs will likely stick to oil and gas with other government subsidiaries spawning to generate energy from renewables. Even so, countries like that still make such a significant portion of their revenue from oil and gas, and it'll likely be several more years until that shift is fully considered. But back to BP. Stock prices are low because people are skeptical of investing in a way that they feel exasperates the effects of climate change. Even though BP is making the effort to target this subgroup of investors, some believe their projected change is a form of greenwashing. For those of you who haven't heard that absurd term, greenwashing, well, it's defined as the process of conveying a false impression or providing misleading information about how a company's products are more environmentally sound. All right, I, I hate to break it to you people, but humans are inherently unsustainable in their consumption of energy and comfort, so I, I don't think efforts from a company to make more money can really be considered greenwashing. They're doing their best to flip a dollar and be a little more environmentally friendly, but as we've seen with many environmental groups, there's just no pleasing everybody. Those same groups claim that no super major has goals ambitious enough to fight against climate change. The environmentalists want more sustainable technology, and BP wants more money. How are people upset? BP's plan involves $5 billion in annual low-carbon business investment, stopping oil and gas exploration in new countries, and reducing oil and gas production by 40% come 2030. This seems like a deal that both the environmentalists and BP should be happy with if they think they can make something come of it. But their stock really makes it seem like they won't be able to pull this off. It's tough that BP is in this weird limbo where conventional energy doesn't want to invest because they're doing something... Well, unconventional now, 
and the environmentally conscious don't want to invest in BP because they still have a business model that is primarily centered on oil and gas production. BP's doing something different. They're taking a risk. I hope it pays off, but like I say, time will tell. Lastly, I'd like to talk a little bit about California. So last week, I'm sure you've heard Governor Gavin Newsom ordered regulators to phase out the internal combustion engine and ban, straight up ban the sale of all gasoline-fueled cars by 2035. Now, when I heard this, it raised a lot of questions. From the automotive perspective, there will 100% be a broad market of electric vehicles come that time. Long-standing producers are proving that, and new companies like Rivian and Lucid are constructing technology and new cars to complement them. But what about the other side of things? Will the technology be cheap enough that the average American can afford to own an electric vehicle? Is 15 years too little to make such an aggressive transition? What is Governor Gavin Newsom actually doing to work towards the transition? I don't want to be the pessimist that says this is just lip service, but I want to see a fully hashed out plan rather than proposed legislature for more than a decade down the road. It seems to be super politically charged, especially when Mary Nichols, the chair of the California Air Resources Board, says there's an arms race going on here. Considering all current events, things must be pretty nice in California if the sale of a Honda Civic is perceived as a threat to the Chevy Volt market. Even so, so much of this is based around a tweet and speculation from, well, Gavin Newsom himself. One thing is certain, though. Governor Newsom will be remembered as a hero to Californians thanks to his tweet from over a decade before that heralded in the new age of electric vehicles, even if he didn't have too much to do. Makes you wonder, how, how's Craigslist going to work? Is there going to be an extra slip if I'm buying, say, an ancient 2014 Toyota Tundra? I mean, at that time, it'll be ancient, but I'm curious to see how this plays through. And I'm excited that California is a case study for us to observe, no matter how zany and wacky they may come off. But that is all we have for this week's episode. Please be sure to go to rarepetro.com. We just put out a wonderful podcast last week centered around investing and uh, jet fuel specifically in market sentiment. So Kevin worked hard on that periodical. Great figures online. Whole lot to learn. What's your excuse? Why aren't you learning? I mean, I, I try to do this every day to keep myself a little bit more well-rounded, and who knows, maybe I'll be competing with you in the future for a job. But, hey, all animosity aside, I'm glad you joined us. Please go to the website to find more resources. And until I see you next time, take care, everybody.